Welcome to Music Therapy. I'm Jessica Risker. I'm a licensed clinical professional counselor and I'm also a songwriter, musician here based in Chicago. Uh, music Therapy is a show that I started to provide some mental health support um, for people during the pandemic and everything that's been going on uh, in the world lately um, with a special focus on the music com community and people who are sort of uh, connected with the music community. So today I'm going to have on uh, Britt Julius, who is a music journalist. She does a lot of things, but that's the way that I know her is through um, the music journalism she does for Chicago Tribune. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to her in just a few minutes, but I want to do uh, just a couple quick, share a couple quick things first. So if you want to look at um, some older uh, episodes of music therapy, you can go on YouTube. Um, it's also a podcast on Spotify and iTunes. I interviewed Cole of Cole's Bar last weekend. Um, that was a really great interview. We talked about, you know, how the bar's been weathering, the up and down of the pandemic, the opening, the reclosing, what he sees the future of Cole's Bar as being. He also just talked about how he started the bar in the first place, and it was a really great conversation. So I'm going to have that up pretty soon. Um, Another little promo is that I did a show uh, last Sunday via Lincoln Hall. She was on Instagram, and so if you want to uh, go visit that and take a look, I shared some new songs. You can visit that on their Instagram um, page, on their IGTV tab. And then I'm going to play a song after the interview. Um, and uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. Let's just get right to the interview. I'm excited to talk to Britt. So let's see, Britt uh, requested. Let's get her on. Hey Izzy, hey Josh, David, thank you guys for joining. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good, this is great. This is my first time doing like a live, so. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, good. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for doing it. Thank you. I'm excited. How are you doing today? Um, I'm good. It's been a really long day. Um, I, uh, had to i'm working on a freelance piece and uh about um uh angel bat to weed and so i had to do the interview for that and um we talked for about two and a half hours it was wonderful but uh yeah so my 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 day started very early today it sounds like it mm -hmm. um well let me let's see i want to you know i want to talk to you about i usually do these kind of broadly speaking in two parts. So one is, you know, kind of your perspective on music and mental health and how everything that's been going on the past few months has impacted all that from your viewpoint. And then the other side of things is also just your own experience. Um, yeah. Not just in the past few months, but also just kind of talking about how you got into what you're doing. You do a lot of stuff. I mean, you're a writer. You write, yeah. I introduced you as a writer for the Tribune, but you have written articles for uh, many publications and you know I just wanted to talk to you and kind of maybe establish how you you know kind of started out where you are today and then we'll kind of transition into some of that other stuff okay. that works for you so how did you yeah how did, I mean so I introduced you as a journalist is that the word that you would use or if we were sort of to reduce you to a career what would you yeah what do you use I would just I guess I would say writer um, because I didn't start out originally as a journalist. I started out as like um, a blogger writing creative nonfiction. And then I would, um, I mean, I had internships 
at magazines and, and things like that when I was younger. But um, my career really started because I would write, um, you know, essays in creative nonfiction, really, about, um, you know, music and art and dance and just culture and race and feminism and all these other things. Um, and it just so happened that, you know, a lot of people were paying attention to how I wrote specifically about music. Um, and which I can now, like, you know, um, like, oh my God, how long? I was like 17 <laughs> when that started. So now, like, 15 years later, like, I can see that the way that I write about music is very different compared to how I write about other things where it kind of comes from this really, um, uh, like, deep personal emotional place. And so that kind of connects with people in a way that um, is maybe different than me writing about, like, um, visual art or dance. But um, yeah, like, I, um, but yeah, that's so, so. For me, I always just say like writer because at the heart, it came for me. It started off as as just more kind of creative nonfiction writing, and then um, it kind of turned into journalism from there. Like I wasn't, um, I wasn't a, uh, uh, I wasn't a. Um, like I didn't go to journalism school, uh -huh. um, and. I, I was on my high school's newspaper staff, but like in college, I wrote one thing for the paper and then I was like, I don't like these people. So I kind of uh -huh. did my, my own thing. I studied English literature and philosophy. Um, and, uh, you know, I always just liked books and whatnot, but I also had like a personal blog at the time. Um, first three, like first two, three years of, of uh, college, I had um, a blog that no one read and I would just basically write about all my feelings and emotions. Um, some people did, people who I still like know to this day, like I go to New York and I see them because they have been reading me since I was 17 years old. Uh -huh. um, but uh, I started uh, another blog on Tumblr when Tumblr first kind of came about. And um, that is what became really, really, really popular where I had, you know, at its peak, like. 200, 300,000 followers following me every single day and what I wrote about. And, you know, every day I was, you know, consistently writing about music. And for me, it wasn't just like me being like, this is what I know about music. It was more like me discovering music and then, you know, writing about how it felt to me to hear this song at this particular time. So it was like funny because I, you know, go on like tangents, like months long tangents about like, you know, no wave music and and like mutant disco and all this kind of stuff and then people are just like oh you know so much i'm like i'm literally like a 19 year old who's just yeah. downloading everything to my computer and then like writing about how it makes me feel you know as i'm listening to it in the phone this is all like you know it was all kind of like new for me when i was younger you know yeah. i was uh i listened to you know I grew up in a very musical household my father you know at one point when he was like really young was like a you know um uh, music promoter and like night, you know, event promoter and things like that. And mm -hmm. like, you know, my parents loved, you know, funk and R and B and jazz um, and uh, you know, things like that. But I didn't know like anything about rock music. <laughs> I didn't know anything, you know, about all these other like genres. That's not what I grew up when I grew up listening to, you know, jazz and R and B and funk and, uh -huh. and things like that. So. Um, but yeah, my, my Tumblr, my blog became really, really popular and that drew the attention of a lot of different people, including, um, uh, you know, and, and I'd had some internships as well at, you know, the Chicago Tribune and a couple of local music magazines in Chicago, which no longer exist. Um, and, uh, and 
but it, it, it wasn't really like a break for me until I, I want to say like I guess it was it was 2012 the Chicago Reader um, had named me the best local writer I was 24 years old <laughs> and uh -huh. it was solely based on my tumblr um, and my blog you know my blog uh -huh. writing about like music and culture I was like that's crazy um, and you know that helped me get you know, blogging gigs, working for WBEZ, and then Pitchfork. So those were like kind of my two first real professional writing experiences. Where I kind of I just jumped right into like you know from blogging to like two huge um, outlets and things like that. So um, and uh, yeah, at Pitchfork, I would write about like do like track reviews. That's when they first started sort of reviewing tracks and things uh -huh. like that. Uh, and my job was essentially to like scour the internet to find new obscure artists and um i would send you know my editor at the time like i am really enjoying like these 15 songs and he'd be like okay write about like four of them and i was like okay you know and so then i would go in and do these track reviews and you know write about artists who you know now are, are like you know huge and and it was it was kind of like surreal to be like oh like this person like i didn't even, i wouldn't even like look to see how many followers they had and they would have like 50 followers, right? Yeah. And then it's like, oh, like, now they're winning a Grammy. That's cool, you know? Like, the kind of the trajectory of things. But, um, yeah, I did that in, in, that was, like, 2013. And um, by 2014, tw like, late 2013, early 2014, I was freelancing and, um, you know, writing stories for, like, Vice and The Fader and um, places like that. And by the end of 2014, I, um, uh, that's when I got the gig uh, writing for the Tribune and took over from Jessica Hopper. So, okay. um, yeah, so from there, it's just been, you know, lots of, you know, writing for all different sorts of places. And, um, uh, yeah, and, you know, in the meantime, I, you know, it's my focus very much so was, you know, in, in music. But, um, you know, when I was younger, when I was interning and, and things like that, and, and just writing for places for free, um, I was largely writing about like visual art and uh, writing about um, uh, like dance. Like I grew up as a dancer. I was a dancer for mm -hmm. like 10 years and um, visual, like I worked at the Museum of Contemporary Art, you know, so it's, I have a whole other kind of, uh -huh. you know, um, background in that area. But for some reason, like, you know, music was, was always a thing that, that really kind of like drew people um, into like the work that I did. So, yeah. First of all, that's, I mean, that's an amazing trajectory. Um, <laughs> did you, it sounded like it just kind of happened. I mean, did you, you know, when you're at this age, like 17, did you have an idea of what you might want to do with your life? Was it writing? Did you? Yeah. Oh yeah. I knew that. I knew that for certain, but I also like, you know, I knew, I knew that I wanted to be a writer and I knew that I wanted to, um, you know, do journalism, but I didn't want to do like a traditional journalist path where, uh -huh. you know, from my experience, it seemed like all the people that I knew who were studying journalism were um, in like two years, no longer doing it. Right. And I was in my mind, you know, I was going to college. I was like, there's something about this that people just, they study, you know, four years for it. And then by the time they're in the real world, they don't like it anymore. And I was like, I don't like that. And I always kind of felt like, I've always been someone who doesn't really, who's always really wary of people um, kind of like stifling my voice or killing my voice or things like that. And it felt like to me that journalism school was really stifling people's love of writing 
you know, by teach, you know, kind of really focusing on um, the specifics and the structure and all these other things. And so I was yeah. like, well, I care more about my voice than anything else, you know? And so, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I knew that I always wanted to be a journalist. I knew that I always wanted to be a writer. And, you know, me creating that second blog in some ways was a means for me to, um, in my mind, I was sort of like creating like my ideal magazine. And that's why I was writing about things like, music and fashion and art and all this other kinds of stuff um but uh yeah like it i would definitely say that it didn't like just happen because i was writing every day and i was writing like you know like two thousand three thousand word essays like uh -huh. almost every single day you know and like reviewing like albums that were new and reviewing albums that were from like 19 like 74 and you know just it was it was a lot a lot a lot of work um but it was um it was definitely like slow going and I should say there was I should say like it wasn't just an immediate jump from the blog like I was writing for a couple of local um, outlets in um, in Chicago but like not getting paid for them and so yeah. um, you know so that was that was a really kind of good sort of training experience for myself as well where uh -huh. um, you know I was for those outlets largely writing about like visual art and dance and um, you know me being 23 years old and like hanging out backstage with you know the the um dancers at the joffrey ballet and writing about their experiences uh -huh. and stuff like that but like doing it all for free you know so that was kind of like my journalism experience was like yeah. kind of um you know literally like being like out on like the the front lines like doing the actual work but then um just like not necessarily getting like that formal training in it so when it so when I did get those opportunities with like WBEZ or with, um, you know, with Pitchfork, um, I had been writing for a number of years and I had had, you know, in college I had um, like six internships. <laughs> so, um, so I had like a lot of experience, but, you know, I just didn't, it was hard for me to kind of break through it and get those opportunities to um, get paid for it. So when I finally was paid for it, it was like, it kind of all came at once. And it was really like amazing because in my mind, I was like, I love this work, but I have no idea how I'm going to be able to like, like how can someone like me get the opportunity to write for a pitchfork or a, you know, a fader or a complex or a New York times or a Vogue yeah. or anything. I didn't, I didn't know what the path was for me because I was in Chicago and I didn't, you know, have those connections, you know, I was, I was an English literature major and a philosophy yeah. person. And, you know, I could, could talk about, you know, modern rhetoric and things like that. But I, I didn't know anything about, you know, how to get an internship at a Condé Nast publication. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, I, that's how I think it would be like kind of like a more kind of accurate way of describing what the experience I mean, it's, it sounds like you, it sounds to me like you just decided to do what you wanted to do and did it on your own yeah and just did it all the time you know yeah. it sounds like you're very disciplined about it and then things sort of branched out and then you hit this critical point where you started kind of getting an audience and people noticing you and then it sounds like it just spilled over until right yeah. what what is it about um you know, you said that people, when you look back, I think I'm remembering this right, that you said, like, when you read your articles on music, it, 
I took away that you feel like it almost has a different energy to those writings than other yeah. types of writings that you did. What do you, why is that, do you think? What is it about writing about music or music itself? Um, so I've always said, and this is based in philosophy too, <laughs> this, this theory, which, but it's, you know, I've always felt that, um, I've always felt that there are two, um, there are two art forms that are the most intrinsic and the most human. Um, you know, the most, and by most human, I mean the closest to who we are as human beings, the closest to our kind of physical bodies and beings and things like that. And that's music and uh -huh. it's dance. Those are the two to me. And so, um, you know, writing about music for me, it's, it, it, I, I can say now that it feels like I'm, what I'm trying to describe is, let me rephrase that. Um, when I'm talking and like interviewing like musicians, I'm always really interested in, in learning about who they are as people, as human mm -hmm. beings, um, and trying to make the connection to the music that they're making, um, you know, itself and how, you know, cause they, you know, there's, you know, there's like a, there's, you know, there's like theories where they're like, they're like the reason why there's like music and, you know, there's music in every culture. It's the mimicking of a heartbeat, right? It is, mm -hmm. um, it is us trying to, um, you know, make beautiful, make glorious, make joyful, the rhythms of what it means for us to be alive, you know, the actual uh -huh. sort of, you know, those kind of rhythms. And so, um, and so, you know, writing about that for me is, is trying to very much so kind of get at the heart of, um, you know, these creations that other people have made that feel so um, true and honest and humanistic, right? And so, it, it, so the writing of it is just so much more pleasurable for me. Um, and I would say dance is like, it's pretty similar as well for me where, and so it just flows better and it reads better. And, you know, it's, it's just like, it's just more honest than me. I don't know, like trying to write like a recap of a TV show. Like I love people who can do that, but I can yeah. never do that. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. an art form that I like but it's not an art form that is, you know, for me, um, that I inherently feel that connection to and that I understand on that level of, um, you know, just creative artistic expression. I, I don't know if that sounds like a little too like woo, -woo. I am very hippie. <laughs> so I, I kind of think no. in, of, in, in those terms, but it just, it just, it comes more natural to me than than almost anything else except for maybe in terms of writing except for maybe like I don't know writing about my emotions you know like writing yeah. about my anger or sadness or whatever um I can just I connect to it on a very like heart to heart level like human to human level um and so uh yeah I think I think that's I think that's what it is for me yeah I mean I I totally uh get what you're saying and I agree with you I mean it feels like you're saying there's a genuineness or sincerity in your connection with it. And I think people probably resonate yeah. you know, with that writing when you're touching from that instead of something that's overly like intellectualized. Right. Or, you know, and so it has a different sort of, um, I don't know, vibe, vibe coming off of the writing that- Absolutely, you yeah. Connect with. Yeah, totally. Um, do you play music yourself? Um, I grew up playing music. I grew up, um, Playing the flute, <laughs> um, playing the piccolo. Um, I was always, always first chair, really 
kind of anal about that and I completely quit. Um, but I spent more time uh, really growing up um, as a vocalist. So I'm a classically uh -huh. trained vocalist. Um, and uh, and so <laughs> if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me and sometimes on, on Instagram too, like I will go off into tangents about like, you know, the vocal quality of like, you know, contemporary like pop singers. And I'm like, you can tell that she's not trained. She's gonna blow her voice out for like, <laughs> years. Like she's trying for notes that she should not be trying for, you know, all these things. And like, she thinks she's a soprano, but she's a mezzo, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, that was what I did. Like that was more of my like personal training was in, um, was in uh, voice. And, you know, I competed in voice. I did, um, you know, multiple choirs, um, uh, jazz uh singing um reveille with you know some more kind of kind of classical style things like that so uh -huh. that's that's my background that's my experience um is in is in uh, uh that aspect yeah okay um well let me let me ask you a little bit about and we'll still we'll stick to like pre pre-pandemic pre-2020 i guess <laughs> um but you know, I know you, and I don't know if you remember this, but you interviewed me when my album came out in 2018. And right. I've also seen, you know, I feel like in a certain fragment of the music community in Chicago that I'm in, it just seems like you're you're in the know. Like, you know these bands that maybe a lot of people don't know, but you're writing, right. you're writing about them for the tribute. I mean, that's a big deal. Um, and something that I'm, so I don't have like a familiarity with your entire body of work as, you know, the music journalism that you do, but I am curious what your sort of more bird's eye view before the pandemic is of what the Chicago music scene is. How would you describe it? Um, well, I think describing the Chicago music scene as one entity is um, always incorrect, right? Because yeah. I know personally from my own experiences as a journalist that um, is really funny and this happens to me, I would say more often than not is that most artists in the city don't know each of each other. They've never yeah. heard of each other. Um, they've never worked with each other. They um, have, even if they're making similar sounding music or have similar theories, they uh -huh. have no concept. I'm like, oh, do you know this person? They're like, why would I know that? Who? And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, they're literally like, you two are like musically speaking similar languages. You should meet this person. And I've yeah. oftentimes introduced people to each other and been like, I'm like, you should really meet this person. Like, uh -huh. you two would kind of work. So I think from off the bat, I, I never try to describe the Chicago music community as having one kind of um, kind of collective um, identity or description to it because um, people are so often here um, kind of isolated, working in their own kind of, you know, creative um, pods or collectives or yeah. kind of, you know, separate communities and making really beautiful, important work. But then it, it's almost, you know, it's, but it's not speaking to something that's happening maybe three miles away. Um, right. And so I think for me, pre-pandemic or post-pandemic, what I think would, would honestly kind of best describes Chicago music is that it is um, like deeply rich um, but also um, extremely closed off um, from other people. And I think like, I think a lot of times, if I said that, it's like some artists would be like, I don't think that's true. And, and, and I would say, I'm like, it's absolutely true. Like there's no, it, 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 it from an outsider's perspective, yeah. people are, you know, they think that they know everyone. <laughs> and it's like, you know, everyone that's part of this community, right. but there are like 30 other communities that are just as big, maybe bigger, 
making a completely different style of music. Um, and, you know, and, and it's just as important and they have no idea what, you know, who, who you are. So um, yeah. I think that, and I think, but I think that that's one of the things that makes um, music from Chicago so much more special than other places because, um, it, and, and it has allowed for so many genres compared to other cities. Um, it's allowed for so many genres here to be born, you know, in Chicago and to thrive here and then to expand across the globe because people are really kind of almost in some ways kind of creating in these um, semi-isolated like, you know, communities or collectives or whatever, and, and not necessarily feeling pressure to conform to what is kind of an overall, you know, sound, uh -huh. like an overall Atlanta, you know, uh, sound, an overall Portland sound, an overall yeah. like Brooklyn sound. That's not necessarily happening here. And so it allows for those more um, interesting uh, musicians, more interesting characters, more interesting sounds, those genres in their entirety to, you know, develop and then subsequently influence the rest of the world. Um, and so that to me um, is how, how I would kind of personally describe uh, the Chicago music community um pre-pandemic during the pandemic post-pandemic i yeah. think that's always gonna you know be true um on a, on a more kind of micro level though i would say that um kind of regardless of what genres you are creating in or operating in there does seem to be um a couple of Kind of, there's kind of like a thorough line where um, it, you find, I find that, that Chicago musicians are oftentimes more um, experimental, more improvisational, um, more just um, like genre bending than other um, artists, right? They are much more likely to um, not feel closed in by particular um, you know, like, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I make, um, you know, hip hop. So I only make hip hop like this. Right. Mm -hmm. And it has to be, you know, if you were like, maybe like in Atlanta, it's like, okay, I can only, you know, like make trap and that's that. And not yeah. just that's what Atlanta's like, but you know what I mean? Like it, it, that's, that's not happening here. People are much more likely to be like, you know what? Yeah. I make hip hop music, but I want to like, you know, I want to have a couple of sessions with, you know, so-and-so who like plays the harp and like work with this person who, you know, does, you know, um, free form, you know, jazz and, and things like that. And, and it creates music that um, uh, from an outsider's perspective, um, you know, it's just so much more exciting and richer and more complex, um, but maybe is a little bit, uh, yeah, but but doesn't necessarily like, kind of fit in with what's going on in the rest of the country or the rest of the world. Um, it's funny when I you know go to other places and I hear Chicago artists, and I'm like, even if they're like a, different genres, I'm like I'm like there's just something it just sounds different, and maybe it's because I'm you know from Chicago from the West Side, but yeah. It just, it just there's something very Chicago about Chicago musicians. Can you describe <laughs> that? <laughs> what what is that? that? Can you describe that? I don't, it, there's, 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 um, there's, there's just like some sort of, I don't know, like I, there's just like some, some sort of warmth. That's like the only way I can really describe it. And my, it's just, it just sounds, I don't, it just sounds different. I, I can't, but for, 
for somebody who like I write about a different band every single week and I've been doing it for almost yeah. six years from here. And it's fun when I first started working in the Tribune, I was like, how am I supposed to write about a different Chicago musician every week? I'm like, I don't even know if there are, you know, that many people <laughs> here. And now I'm like, oh, there's definitely that many people here. There's definitely that many projects here. It's so vastly, you know, different across the board, but there's there's there is this commonality where there's just like this level of um warmth and um and freedom i think that i hear in chicago artists regardless of the genres that they're working in that's really interesting i okay so i, I have a two-part question for you yeah um what do you think contributes to this the fragmentation of the music communities in chicago and what do you think also contributes to maybe Chicago and Chicago musicians feeling a little bit freer, more experimental with what they're doing? Well, I think the, I mean, the fragmentation to me has very much always felt like a result of um, the city, the way that the city is sort of structured and formed. Uh -huh. Oh, did you get a phone call? Can you, there you go. okay. Yes. Sometimes it was an alarm. Oh no, that's okay. Do you have to go? It was an alarm. I like take like I, I like yeah. So I, I always set like alarms. I'm like you know, set an alarm at two p.m. for and I forget that I do it half time. Um, but okay. uh, <laughs> uh, I think you know, I think that the 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 reason why Chicago music is can be very fragmented is you know in the same one of the kind of goes along with the same reason as to why a lot of Chicago, um, uh, just Chicago in general is very like fragmented. We're a very kind of segregated city. Um, we are built in a way where people can be very isolated from each other. They can be, um, you know, the connectivity, um, just literally the physical landscape connectivity kind of keeps people apart. Um, and, you know, in some ways technology makes that better, but um, it doesn't really, you know, address the fact that this is a city that's very much built on the separation of people, not just by race, I mean, very much so by race, but, you know, also by um, ethnicity, by class, um, you know, and, and, you know, just Chicago is described often as a city of neighborhoods. And so it's a city where people can feel very much rooted into the place that they are. Um, and the place that they are um, can be its own kind of, you know, mini city in and of itself. Yeah. And that, you know, kind of makes it so people don't necessarily go outside of the boundaries of where they are, both physically as well as, you know, musically and sonically and things like that. And it keeps them really separated from um, other things that are happening in the city. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, I, looking at that from a, you know, perspective of just like, you know, the city's rap and hip hop scenes, um, you know, I'm from the West side and, you know, um, artists who were making, you know, music on, on the West side, you know, for very, for a very long time, we're not making music with artists who are making, you know, hip hop on the South side, you know, mm -hmm. of the city. And, um, and the sounds were, were different too, you know, um, uh, drill is a very South side specific, you know, mm -hmm. um, genre of rap. You know, it's not necessarily a West Side genre of rap. Mm -hmm. um, but then, you know, on the flip side of things, like you know, um, it, so so it um, so I think it it you know, those kind of those kind of like literal physical separations just sort of 
um, enhances and allows for those, um, you know, sonic and collaborative uh, separations to occur even more than they might have, even even more than they might um, in in other places. Um, I also think that, but I also think that that's you know one of the reasons why. Um, Chicago artists, um, Chicago musicians can make this really, you know, unique and genre bending and experimental and progressive music um, because they don't feel really, um, you know, tied into, um, you know, what is happening in other places. Um, and that's not to say that they don't know what's going on, but rather that they don't feel that they have to conform to mm -hmm. um, what's happening in these other places that allows for them to um, really break outside of, you know, uh, any confines or any shells or any, you know, things like that, and just make the music and the art that they want to make. It's so it's kind of a, a, a twofold sort of, sort of thing, you know what I mean, where um, it, it's, it can be, you know, in some ways, it's not necessarily the best, but in other ways, it can be really um, profound what it also produces. So yeah, I think that's that's kind of how I how I see it, you know. Um, and then I think also too, you know, Chicago is in many ways really removed from the things um, that can hinder how you know music is made. We're really removed from the bulk of the you know, music community in the sense of the labels and the, you know, and other forms of media. And so- What do you um, mean by that? Like, I mean, just literally like we, we don't have as many like labels. We don't have as many A&R people. People are- Oh, I see, okay, the industry. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. you know, that, like that kind of industry thing. Yeah, yeah. So it, it allows for, so if, if you, you know, I think if you're living in a place that has that kind of like external pressure, uh -huh. happening, you know, just surrounding you all the time that might sort of change the way in which you create. Um, you know, one of my really good friends, she is, um, she's from Chicago. She now lives in New York. She uh, works in, um, before, she now works in A&R, but before she worked in A&R, she um, did playlists, right, for, you know, one of the big streaming platforms. Uh -huh. And, you know, she, it, before the pandemic, she was, you know, going out to shows like every night, every other night, something like that, you know, go to two, three shows in a night and say like, oh, I heard about this artist, I heard about this artist, I heard about this person and someone, that person might not have like, you know, more than 30 followers on, you know, yeah. SoundCloud or, or wherever. Um, but it's like, imagine what kind of pressure, you know, um, or what you feel like you would need to maybe kind of, um, who you would need to be if there was a possibility that, you know, someone important is in the audience, right. <laughs> you know, versus, um, you know, being in a place where um, a lot of those kind of external pressures um, are not there. So you kind of have the freedom to just create without having to um, kind of, in some ways, like watch your back. That right, right. It sounds to me like there's a parallel between how you view the sort of freedom to experiment in the Chicago music community and at large, you know, that you're kind right. of saying tends to apply to the city as a whole and also how you didn't want to be constrained by like these journalistic yeah. rules and, you Absolutely. know, the sort of, um, sounds like something that you connect with. It's probably a good 
place for you to be. <laughs> Absolutely. No, for sure. I mean, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I think, you know, my career, if I was in New York, my career would be like vastly different. And I don't know that I would still be doing, um, the work that I do now because, um, you know, I have certain freedoms here that allow me to, um, pursue the work that I want to do, but, um, it's also one of those things where, you know, um, yeah, it's like, it's like it, it's in some ways it's great. And then in other ways it's like, eh, I don't know. But, um, I think for me, like in terms of uh, sticking to who I am creatively, um, what my voice is, what I want to talk about, what I want to cover, um, it has allowed me to, um, produce better work. I think than if I was someplace else. And I think uh -huh. you can, like you said, there are similarities maybe to, to, um, Chicago artists and uh you know some of the I always say like some of the biggest craziest most you know influential important artists of all time kind of come from Chicago and that's not by chance you know <laughs> so um so and I, and I think it's it's there's something specifically about being here that you know facil facilitates a different sort of um creativity and means of expression yeah, that's, that's cool. That actually, you know, that feels nice to hear that. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I guess as a musician in Chicago. Um, well, let's, let's move then to, you know, this phase that we're in now with, you know, the past few months with all the with the pandemic and the social unrest. And what are you, what are you seeing, if anything, you know, how the how music in Chicago has been impacted by all of this? Um, I know that's a know, really big question, but yeah. Um, I mean, so a couple things, right? Um, I think one of the one of the things that people really have not been talking about that you know I wrote about from the beginning, but a lot of people have are maybe only now kind of picking up on is that. Um, oh, you your sound went out. Sorry, I don't get rid of this. It's okay. It might go off again in 10 minutes. I'm gonna have to figure out how to <laughs> make it go away for good. But, okay. um, but uh, with um, when the pandemic, you know, kind of really kicked into gear and things really like shut down. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that, you know, people were like, oh, the bars are closed, the restaurants are closed, like, uh, people were not going to work, things like that. And one of the things that really kind of slipped people's minds, understandably, obviously, is that, um, you know, nightclubs and performance venues um, shut down. And not just that, you know, those kind of places shut down, but they were the first places to shut down, right? Like they were, you know, um, I think the hideout was the first um, performance venue in the city to be like, we're not gonna, we're, we're gonna shut down for safety reasons. Um, and we still have like maybe like another week or so before the rest of, um, you know, the city kind of shut down. And, um, you know, unlike a restaurant that can continue, you know, making food or, um, you know, unlike, you know, work environments that can go remote, you can't necessarily like make a, you know, a nightclub um, remote. It just, it, you know, and you can perform on, 
you know, Facebook or you can perform on Twitch or wherever, but um, that's not the same thing as going to a concert. And so, um, you know, I would say one of the first, you know, important things to, to really, you know, remember and consider as it relates to the pandemic is that so many of these venues um, that we love, that we have loved for years, for decades, um, they are not going to be around um, after this is over. Like that's, it's a really, it's a, it's a cold hard fact. Um, and, you know, so many of these venue owners have been lobbying for months now behind yeah. the scenes, um, trying to, you know, get some sort of, you know, economic stimulus mm -hmm. pocket package to um, keep their venues alive and to keep the music going. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been successful and unsuccessful in, in many ways. Unfortunately, we're not a place like, you know, a, a Germany or a Finland where, you know, they're, everyone's getting, you know, um, some sort of payments and everyone's getting, yeah. you know, all these things. And so um, a lot of these places are going to suffer. And, um, you know, the trickle on effect of that is that a lot of artists are not going to have um, these larger venues to perform their work and to make money, right? Because people just aren't making money from yeah. selling music in the same way that they were 15 years ago. Yeah. So that's like the first thing that I would, you know, think of as it relates to, you know, the pandemic um, and, you know, Chicago music and Chicago artists. Um, one of the things that I have seen that I have really um, enjoyed, though, you know, with the artists here in Chicago is that they are, um, you know, creative, that they are thinking, you know, on their feet in a way that I'm not seeing in other cities. Hmm. Um, and, you know, they are, um, you know, monetizing in ways that, um, you know, maybe wouldn't have been, you know, considered before, or, um, you know, just uh, figuring out new methods of, of um, you know, streaming. So it's not just a regular, regular Instagram live, but, you know, maybe creating a, a subscription platform or, or doing whatever they need to do. Um, so that would be the second thing. But I think more than anything, the third biggest thing that I've really seen though, is that a lot of, a lot of artists have really kind of turned away from, um, you know, the, the kind of the pace that they were in before and the making of music that they were in before mm -hmm. and um, have really turned towards activism, right? Um, and, uh -huh. you know, almost every artist that I've, I've been working on a story about this actually. And um, almost every, you know, artist that I have talked to, um, they have said that their focus has been, you know, protests and organizing and um, community work and um, mutual aid and things like that. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's a really interesting pivot. And it wasn't like a sort of pivot that was like, okay, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing yeah. now. It was more just, you know, a, a call to uh -huh. do this kind of um, community-based work, you know, and, and helping out the most marginalized and disenfranchised and, um, you know, uh, populations in the city. Um, I'm not seeing that with other artists. <laughs> I mean, I'm seeing it with some other artists, but I'm, but I'm not seeing in other cities, you mean? No, I mean, I mean, I, I really can't say specifically, you know, if it's happening in the same degree in, in other cities, but, but I'm saying that, um, 
I'm not seeing it in the way that I'm seeing it come from musicians specifically. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, I'm not necessarily seeing um, dancers or uh, filmmakers or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or writers um, kind of literally be out in the streets in the same uh -huh. way that I am seeing musicians specifically, um, you know, do that. And it's and and i think that um and 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 the, and the thing is too that I'm, I'm especially seeing it though um in chicago um and i think you know that kind of in many ways goes to the city's activist roots um the city's progressive you know um, organizing roots um and so it, it does make in some ways a lot of sense for there to be such crossover between those two um, you know, communities or, or populations. Um, so yeah, so I think that's that's really like a lot of what what I have have been for me at least have been the three biggest um, you know the three biggest stories by that's far. Great. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna pivot a little bit because I want to make sure to get to this. You know, I had reached out to you before this and kind of said, "Is there anything that you wanted to talk about?" And yeah you had said you know you were you were interested in kind of talking about the state of journalism and how that might affect coverage in the future can you say a little bit about that yeah so um uh, you know again so much is happening in the world right so people so it, it, it makes sense that a lot of people don't know what is going on or you know in in areas that they are not um familiar with or they're you know um you know, it's not their community, but um, in the journalism world, not just, you know, locally, but, but nationally and internationally, um, nationally more than anything, um, we are losing publications both online and in print left and right um, in huge, huge, huge numbers, especially, um, you know, alt weeklies, which have for decades been um, really the, the, you know, the lifeblood of of um, talking about and promoting, um, you know, local musicians much more so than than the, the larger outlets that exist in a city or a place. So, for an example of an alt weekly, would be what, like a Chicago Reader. Okay. Yeah. Um, so we're losing, you know, publications like that, but also larger publications as well, or they are having major cuts to their, you know, um, staff and to their funding. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, as a result, we are losing lots and lots of arts and culture coverage. You know, people will oftentimes say, well, why doesn't this place, you know, cover this thing that's going on? And it's mm -hmm. like, first of all, no one wants to pay <laughs> for <laughs> subscriptions anymore. Um, everyone wants everything for free. Um, and, um, and so because of that, there's less money. Um, there is less advertising because so many businesses can no longer afford to advertise, um, whether digitally or, you know, in print. Uh -huh. um, I'm sorry. <laughs> It also is really affecting, um, you know, what gets printed and how much gets printed. Um, and, and then, you know, so, so the results of, of those kind of things that are happening is that, you know, pages get cut. 
um, or sections get pulled off, you know, entirely, mm -hmm. or, um, you know, entire publications get killed right off the bat, you know? Yeah. Um, and so, like, for example, for me, the, you know, the Tribune, um, my writing would appear in the on the town section. Um, but, you know, very soon after the, you know, shelter in place orders began, um, we kind of on the town was essentially eliminated, right? Because yeah. who's on the town, you know, right. <laughs> during a pandemic. Um, and so, you know, the writing I do now is just kind of in a generalized arts and entertainment section. But, you know, most people didn't even notice that that whole section is gone now. Right. So um, and things like that are happening across, you know, the country um, as a whole. And then so, you, you know, it's kind of like what happens when, you know, those kind of outlets are are completely um, eliminated and all you sort of um, are left to is kind of hoping someone will hear you out of the the fray of yeah. you know the millions of other artists um in the world and all the other sort of noise that's that's happening everywhere so um yeah so i really it, it's um it's having really you know on 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 our side of things there are really kind of dire situations that are that are happening in terms of um arts and culture coverage um uh, in general so do you what i mean i mean you kind of spoke to this but can you speak more specifically to what you think the ripple effect will, will be of that or has been i think that especially for um smaller artists mm -hmm. um for independent artists, you know, losing, you know, sometimes publications like an alt, like an alt weekly, mm -hmm. um, getting a little bit of, of press from a place like that can mm -hmm. really transform, um, you know, your life, right? It can get you attention from uh -huh. people who might not have known about you or might not have had any, you know, in any point sort of yeah. learned anything about you. Um, and so it makes it more difficult in general for, for people to find and discover you. I so often with the Tribune get emails from like random people <laughs> I, you know, don't know, have never heard of anything like that who are just like, I'm thank you so much for writing about this person. I've never heard of their heard of, you know, heard of them before and I'm listening to their album and I love it. I just bought it on Bandcamp, you know? And yeah. like what happens in a world where, you know, we don't get to showcase the smaller artists, the yeah. independent artists, you know, the 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 superstars of the world who have major label backing, they are always right. going to be fine, right? They're always going to, even if they're, even if there's no press, right? They will go into, you know, the offices of Spotify or YouTube or wherever, mm -hmm. um, and, you know, get that meeting and lobby for their artists to be put on like the best, like, you know, new music weekly playlist and things like that, which I think a lot of like artists, who are smaller don't know like you're like how do these people get there it's like their labels have enough money to get in to pay <laughs> to get a meeting yeah. to meet you know the head of 
you know, um, R&B, you know, music at Spotify yeah. and they can live and like be like, this is the new album he's working on. What kind of playlist do you think that he can get, you know, on what kind of like coverage and so and so can he get, can he get put to the, you know, top of your discover page and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so that's always going to happen as long as there are like major labels and things like that. They're always going to figure out a way. But if you're not on those, one of those major labels, um, where does that leave you? You right. know, um, who can you rely on? What outlets are, are out there? Um, you know, what sources are there for you to gain more listeners, to gain more opportunities, to, you know, get more, you know, to get a great, you know, um, booking manager, to get, you know, yeah. you know, heard by so-and-so at this music festival and whatnot. It just diminishes opportunities for people across the board. And so um, I really, you know, I think, I think that is, is the, is the ripple effect is that the big artists are just going to get bigger. Right. <laughs> um, the people who have the connections um, are just going to continue to have the connections, but for everyone else, it's going to be that much more difficult to um, be seen and heard. I mean, one of the things, you know, that in, again, in my fragment of the music community that I see about you is that it feels like you are playing a role in trying to keep, you know, fresh new artists and people that you may not have heard of or come across that you're trying to bring them up and to yeah. get them some, some recognition and give them some, some space for people Absolutely. to learn about them. That's really, that's, that's great. Absolutely. Um, let's see, I wanted just to ask you, I know you're, I know you're busy. I could probably talk to you for like a really long, long time, <laughs> um, but um, how are you, how are you doing during the pandemic? I've been, um, I've been okay, you know, I, um, actually the beginning of the pandemic, the first like month or two was really, um, I don't want to say like great, but it was, it, I, I mean, I, I was really sick in March. I'll say that much. I was really sick in March. Uh -huh. Um, and, uh, but in April, you know, I had, um, earlier, you know, for the last, I don't know, couple years, but especially the last year or so, I had been working like ridiculously, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and just, you know, like last year I had to go to France for um, a friend's wedding. I was, you know, um, a, a bridesmaid and I, you know, was like, okay, I need like $6,000 to pay for this thing. And so I would, yeah. you know, pick up like 15 different freelance yeah. assignments, get like two hours of sleep. And so I was constantly kind of running on that sort of, you know, um, that, that way of life. Right. And, yeah. um, and, uh, December of last year, um, I, I woke up one day and I, I had a, a kind of phone call meeting and everything was fine. And then I was leaving my apartment and the entire like left side of my body just like gave out. Um, you know, I was feeling like numbness and tingling. I couldn't move my arms. I couldn't move my left leg. I couldn't talk. Um, I, you know, it, it, I, it was, it was uh, like surreal, you know? Um, and, uh, my parents had to, you know, kind of take me to, um, the hospital and, you know, I had multiple MRIs and, 
Um, you know, they had found, you know, I had, they found I had really low B12. They had found two brain lesions, um, you know, just oh all this stuff kind of happened. And they were like, you need to take a break. You need to rest. And so I spent like a good, like three and a half, almost three and a half weeks, almost like a month, like kind of just like not working. Um, and then, you know, I got better and was in physical therapy and was, you know, able to, to kind of do all these things. And I'll tell you, like, <laughs> like writing a story with like one hand on your phone is not easy. That's for sure. Um, that's, that's for sure. Um, but then, you know, once I, I was just like off to the races again. You know? So the new year started and I was like, well, I got to finish this proposal. And then, you know, I'm doing this thing and doing that thing. And then end of January, I went to, you know, Sundance and I was at the Sundance Film Festival and I came back and I was there, you know, and then I had a, a lecture at the MCA. And then a week after that, I was in um, Los Angeles to do like a magazine story and to facilitate a photo shoot. And then I was at the NAACP Image Awards and just, you know, and then the next couple of months we're going to be like, you know, um, and then we're going to, you know, going back to France and then we're going to London to like do this story. And then we're going to like New York to meet with like your, your agent and to meet with these people and to do this and then back in LA for that thing. And then just a whole thing. And then, you know, literally like two weeks after I got back from, from LA in that, at the end of that February, the quarantine happened. I was, um, that Wednesday, I was supposed to, uh, Wednesday before everything kind of happened, I was supposed to, um, fly to Tulsa. Well, I was supposed to, I was supposed to fly to San Francisco for a day, not even a day, like 20 hours to film uh -huh. a commercial <laughs> and then fly back, be here for a day and then fly to Tulsa, um, for like a kind of, uh, musical, like tribute to like black wall street sort of thing and be there for a while. And then that, that Wednesday was the day that like, um, two NBA players who were diagnosed with COVID and Tom Hanks, you know, <laughs> yeah. he had COVID and they were shutting me down. And I was like, maybe I shouldn't fly to Tulsa. <laughs> and so, yeah. you know, I told the people in Tulsa, I was like, you know what? I was like, I would really love to be here for this black wall street celebration. Um, but I was like, I just don't think it's safe for me. I was like, I had these issues that kind of came up last year, um, that I'm still like technically working through. Like I still have to take medicine. I still get, you know, weird numbness and tingling. I have it right now, you know, it comes and goes. Whoa. Um, and, uh, you know, I was like, I have to do all these things and I was like, so maybe I just don't go. And they're like, oh, like, well, we're really safe. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I was like, I was gonna, maybe I'm not gonna do that. Um, and that was the right decision for me. And so the, especially the first two, three months of, um, you know, uh, the shelter in place, I like slept, you know, when yeah. I hadn't done in so long. And that's not, you know, I'm not trying to like, you know, make lighter or, um, you know, make the situation trivial in any way, but I was very severely sick. Um, and had not <laughs> you needed a break, up, you know, yeah, you needed a break. And not and it took it a, at all. It took a global pandemic to slow you down. It sounds like literally. I mean, I was. I remember I was like calling my mother, and I was like, I was like, oh my god, I slept like eight hours last night. I haven't done that since like 2015, you know. And she was like, girl, what? Listen to what you are saying. You yeah. Know? Listen and to I, your was, I was 
sleeping like every, like and I still am like sleeping about you know like six to eight hours every night which before that I was sleeping like four hours um <laughs> that's and hold on I don't want to cut out I'm I don't know if you see this but I get a message that there's 20 seconds remaining because we've been talking for like an, about an hour so I oh, think God, it's going to cut us off no, okay. no, no. It's just going to, like, cut us off. So I didn't want okay. to be... Okay. But I don't want to wrap up in 10 seconds. So let's go back. Let's come back on. Okay. <laughs> because I want to say goodbye, but it might take me a minute to upload the video. I'll be right back. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. 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 Sorry about the break. It took a really long time to, like, upload it. I didn't want to lose it, so... Oh, no worries. Um... I, you know, we've talked for a long time. I know you're busy and probably and tired, and apparently you need to, you know, <laughs> chill out a little bit, maybe this afternoon. Uh, <laughs> um, take a little rest. I don't want to keep keep you. Let's see. Um, yeah, I guess I guess just to kind of wrap things up, is there anything else that, you know, you, you wanted to say or you felt would be important to mention? Hmm. <clears throat> Um, I would say if, I would say if there is a local venue, um, in the city that you really love, um, to look at their pages, whether it's like Instagram or their website, um, they will likely have information, um, about, um, you know, a campaign called Save Our Stages, mm -hmm. um, and look to see what you can do in terms of lobbying your, um, you know, Congress people um, in order to, um, yeah, save the, the venues that you love. Um, you know, don't say this, like, I don't say it lightly. It's, some of them will be gone, you know, they, they yeah. just can't afford it. Um, and so it's a matter of, you know, what kind of, what do you want to return to when this is all over? Mm -hmm. um, and if you want to return to being able to see, um, you know, music, seeing live music, it, you know, is going to take more than just, um, you know, the venue owners and the workers kind of lobbying for themselves. They really need to know that there is a community of people that are out there that also want to, um, you know, support and save these places as well. Um, so I would say that's definitely important um, and that if you can um, pay for um, uh, an artist's music, buy, you know, please do buy it and, um, you know, Bandcamp the first Friday of every month. Um, all proceeds are going directly to the artists um, for any music that's sold. So, um, you know, buy your music then so the artists can you know, can receive the entirety of their, their profit. Um, and if you believe in, you know, local journalism, local arts coverage, things like that, um, read, <laughs> read us. Yeah. And don't just, don't just read us when your friend is written about, read us all the time. And, um, you know, for certain places like like a you know certain venues certain outlets they have subscription models that you can also um support as well um and you know it's these local stories these hyper local stories that are really at risk of being lost um when we um you know 
through this this pandemic the, the big people the big guns are always going to be fine like the new york times is always going to be there <laughs> pittsburgh is going to be fine but for everyone else um you know there's a real danger um of of what will be lost and um you know it should be to you um i know it certainly is to me to know that so much can be lost so quickly you know in just an instant you know unless we do the work in supporting and advocating um as much as possible so i think those are the things i would definitely want to just sort of highlight and promote thank you thank, thank you. you um yeah thank you so much for agreeing to do this and for your time and, and your thoughts thank you. I, mean, I really uh i really you know kind of learned a lot it was really interesting to hear you know your your broader perspective of of Chicago and music and just, you know, it was really great. So I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it as well. Okay. Um, thank you very much. I'm going to, I'm going to, um, X you out now and then I'll close out. Sounds Bye, Britt. Bye. Bye. Um, so that was Britt. This was part two. We got cut off because we had a, a nice long conversation. Um, and I just wanted to close it out so I could kind of finish, um, not too abruptly. I'm going to play a song. All this is going to be up on my Instagram, the full conversation. And, you know, it's a music therapy is a podcast now. So look up uh, music therapy um, with Jessica Risker on Spotify and iTunes. It's on YouTube, all that stuff. So um, next week we've got, we've got, I've got um, Olivia from Sick Day. Uh, it's a, a Chicago band is going to be on. And I've been doing, going to do this, you know, every Saturday. So please look out for some more guests. I'll finish up here today with a song, as I tend to do. This is one of the new songs I've been writing. Thank you guys for coming back. Been watching. Um, it's called, the working title is called 4AM.
so much for joining me. I'm Jessica Risker. This is Music Therapy. Uh, join me next week um, for another episode. I'll see you then. Hope you guys are doing well.